Commencing countdown. Three, two, one. This is the Contracting Experience. Connecting government contracting professionals to the world around them through conversations with acquisition influencers, insights into evolving hot topics, and sharing lessons learned from the field. This next episode of the Contracting Experience Podcast highlights the training and development opportunity that is open to civilian employees through the Civilian Developmental Education and Civilian Strategic Leader Program. Applications open this January 13th, 2020. They close for boarded programs on 7 February and non-boarded programs on 28 February, 2020. If you are not able to apply for those dates, don't worry. This episode will still be helpful for you as it will identify things to consider when applying for CDE or leadership training, which can be valuable for next year's application as well. The first part of the episode features Air Force Material Command Contracting Director, Ms. Heidi Bullock. Ms. Bullock will talk to what she looks for in a CDE applicant, how CDE and leadership training can help grow a participant's career in the Air Force, and some considerations for applicants that may not have been selected for a program in the past. The second part of the episode is with four acquisition professionals in the Air Force. They will talk to their experiences in applying for and participating in civilian developmental education and leadership training. All four are advocates for professional development and eager to share their experiences. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I will include the link to the MyPERS site in the show notes on the Air Force portal. That link will provide applicants great resources when deciding what programs to apply for and the process to go through to apply. I will also include the link to MyVector. The MyVector site will be used to submit applications for civilian developmental education and leadership training. Both the MyPERS and MyVector sites can only be accessed by DOD employees, so those links will only be included on the Contracting Experience Podcast Air Force portal site. Ms. Bullock talks to what she looks for in a civilian developmental education applicant. We never interview the individual. We just view their package. So first of all, it's very important that your package is well-written, grammatically correct, makes sense. But what we're looking for in the the package itself is occupational uh, expertise, again, talked about being, being the expert in your functional career field, if you will. But we're also looking for breadth and depth. So it's just not, I'm gonna cite contracting. You can't just be an expert, for example, in operational contracting or systems contracting. We're looking for that experience. Have you been able to do R&D type contracting? Have you been able to do systems or logistics? So we're looking for that breadth. We're also looking for various levels of development. So there's the tactical and the operational and the strategic. So have you demonstrated that, again, citing contracting, but I think any functional would be able to articulate this, would be you start off as a buyer, and that's great, but then you wanna become a limited contracting officer, then an unlimited contracting officer, then a supervisor, branch chief, and so forth. And, And you show that progression, as you will, through your career. So we're looking for those individuals who have that technical expertise, but they also have the breadth and the depth, and they have then demonstrated continually challenging assignments as they've worked their way through. I'll say one of the potential tiebreakers in addition Um, would be all-important professional military education, which again, sometimes these records are very close, both very well-qualified individuals, and that tiebreaker may be 
uh, that PME, that professional military education. And the last thing I'd ask that folks to think about as they put together the packages is, have you won any awards? And if so, make sure you highlight those in your packages because I will tell you, if you can say that you are, say, the contracting supervisor of the year at Lifecycle Management Center, which is one of the largest centers in Air Force Material Command, I know that you've had a lot of competition for that award. So if you've won those types of levels of award at a center level or at a MAGCOM level, that demonstrates that you've really made the cut among a whole bunch of different individuals vying for that award. So again, highlight your awards, highlight the impacts of the duties that you're performing and what that means to the warfighter. Those really resonate with the board and they will score your package much more highly than someone that just says, I came to work and I did my job and I did it well and then I went home. So again, you wanna, you wanna highlight all of the great things that you're doing, the impact to the warfighter, any awards that you may have had, anything that distinguishes you from your peers. Ms. Bullock then talks to how CDE and leadership courses help the participant grow in their career in the Air Force. So I would say again, the benefits of civilian developmental education is that you have courses available to you, whether you're a GS-9 or a, a GS-15 and everything in between. Uh, that's part one. Part two is it's free training. So uh, your organization doesn't have to pay for it. It's centrally funded. It allows you to get Spe uh, specific training, specialized training in the area of leadership, in the area of uh, tough conversations with folks. It just continues to grow you as an individual in the long term. Additionally, I would say that uh, it allows you to network across the Air Force. So it's not just going to be folks in your career field or from your base that you are going to meet as you're doing these classes. You're going to meet people from throughout the Air Force in diff different career fields. And again, that whole networking capability is phenomenal. And you can grow from building that uh, strong network of, of colleagues that you know. Additionally, again, from my perspective, if I see someone that has made the quality standard for previous classes, that tells me that they're invested in their career and that they want to progress. And it allows individuals to have a conversation with their supervisor, have a conversation with their senior functionals in their career field to say, this is what I wanna do. Can you help me get to where I want to be? And I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, their senior leaders are going to help them knowing where they want to go, help them get to where they want to be. Ms. Bullock provides some words to those not selected for the program they applied for. Each functional area has a developmental team. In my case, it's contracting, but each functional has it. And if you did not make the quote unquote cut at the DT level, at the contracting DT level, and were not sent forward to the Air Force level, we did provide feedback to you in the form of, it was given back to the senior leader in contracting who had oversight over that individual. So again, picking Life Cycle Management Center, for example, that would have gone to Mr. Tom Robinson. Uh, if I had a PK person here on a headquarters AFMC staff, I would have taken that feedback, sat down with that individual and said, this is what your package, why your package was not sent forward. These programs are extremely competitive. There are a limited number of slots and there are exponentially numerous applicants. So you might have four slots and you may have 60 people apply for the program. Well, Right there, you know 56 people aren't going to be selected. That doesn't mean they weren't good people and it doesn't mean that they didn't have a strong package. It just meant we had a limited number of 
slots to send folks. And so you have some folks that are really close, but they didn't, they didn't make it. So we do provide feedback at the DT level. I, I will say at the Air Force level, when uh, as part of the new My Vector, uh, the feedback that we got was uh, when the folks, we got notified that they were not selected uh, a couple of days beforehand, which allowed us to bring the supervisor in because it's the supervisor who has to provide the feedback. So in this one instance, there was a person here at headquarters AFMC. Uh, I sat down with the supervisor and explained why this person was not competitive and what this individual needed to do in order to be more competitive if that was the program that this individual wanted to apply for in the future. My understanding is there is no, um, if you don't make it, you cannot apply the next year. I believe the only penalty is associated with if you are selected for a civilian developmental education course. And then after you've been selected, you then, for whatever reason, cannot uh, attend. Then I believe there may be some penalties associated with a time frame of how long you have to wait before you can reapply. I do know we had a tremendous growth this year in applicants to CDE. And when you have those increase in numbers, but the slots did not increase proportionally. So you have a limited number of authorizations to send folks to, and you have an increase, uh, especially within AFMC, of the number of people applying, you're going to still have a, a large number of folks that were not able to get perhaps their first choices. I'm gonna segue here. A lot of people also only applied for one program. And again, if this one program, let's pick legis, leg, uh, legislative assistant fellows uh, in Washington, D.C., three-year assignment. People applied for legis, but they did not apply for any class, any other courses. There were four slots for legis. If you weren't one of those four and you did not apply for any other courses, then you were out of luck. And again, other folks may have applied for other courses and they were able to get those other courses, even if legis, for example, had been their first choice. Uh, but because they gave us options in the board to give them other opportunities for civilian development, we were able to place them in other classes. So again, that's the other thing is, is put in for two or three if you want to and if, if they're of interest to you. Um, but if you only go for one, understand that you're competing against numerous other folks and look at, take a look at also the number of slots. Because again, if there's only three or four slots, you, you need to make sure that you have a really, really, really strong record in order to make sure that you get selected for civilian developmental education. Now let's talk to some Air Force acquisition professionals that actually participated in a CDE or leadership program. All right, we have a great group of people here today. I think we're gonna go around the table and have everybody introduce themselves. We'll start with Stephanie. I'm Stephanie Sanchez. I am a contracting officer in Fighters and Bombers Special Programs. Hello, I'm Casey Kopecki. I'm the Chief of Contracts for F-22 in the Fighter and Bombers Directorate. Hi, I'm Robin Hara. I'm currently on a career broadening position with a VC-25B in my current position as a program manager for the survivability IPT lead. Hi, my name is Susan Wynn. I'm a division chief with Business Enterprise Systems here at Wright-Pack. Great, well welcome everybody. So there are three different levels of civilian developmental education and leadership programs. There's basic, intermediate, and senior developmental education. Uh, Stephanie, you took part in Squadron Officer School in Residence. Can you tell listeners about the program and two things that you learned or took away from the program? Sure. Um, Squadron Officer School is a six and a half to seven week TDY program. Um, it's in Maxwell Air Force Base, which is in Montgomery, Alabama. It's in residence, uh, so when I went, you actually stayed on the Air Force Base. It, the breakdown of the class is about um, 650 captains 
only 17 civilians and then about 20 international officers. We work in an environment in contracting that's mostly civilians. Um, so going down to, um, to participate in SOS, it was mostly captains. In fact, in my flight, I was the only civilian. So I was surrounded by everyone who was in uniform. And the first day they were all looking at me like, what, who are you? What are you doing here? Um, a <laughs> little suspicious about why I was there. So I had to explain to them. And it was really good for me to be around um, the Air Force captains just to see, again, the big picture. And I, I don't get to see that. You know, I don't have any military background or experience. So for me, that was um, really interesting to kind of see and hear their stories. The course uh, promotes leadership and enhanced understanding of the Air Force mission. The overall learning objectives are leadership, joint warfare, reasoning, and team building. Um, it's taught in a classroom environment, uh, seminar settings, there's a lot of hands-on experience, um, as well as team and individual uh, projects that are um, also have physical challenges involved. My takeaways would be that uh, in my flight, I had several fighter uh, pilots. I had an MQ-9 pilot, a nurse, uh, psychologist, a couple cyber guys. So just the things you learn from the overall discussion about the Air Force and the, and the big picture, um, it just kind of helps you tie back in the acquisitions into, into the Air Force big picture. So that I would say would be my, my main takeaway. Um, and also uh, the feedback that I got from our face-to-face -face feedback with, within our peers. So your peers, they actually give feedback based on maybe some of your learning objectives for your personal, you know, what you're trying to achieve and all that? Um, yes, as well as just your overall, like, how did you help the team? How could you have helped the team better? Okay. It, it was kind of intimidating to sit in a circle and go around and talk about each other. But uh, that real feedback, I think, really helped us grow as a team. We did it about halfway through and then again at the end. And I would say the second half was a lot smoother just because we got some things out in the open and we're able to move move forward. Right. And I mean, I think, like you said, it could be intimidating, but also that is a pretty good skill to be able to come back with now in your office to say, hey, if somebody's giving me feedback, maybe it's not in a negative way. Maybe they're trying to make me better or you're giving feedback to people trying to make them better. Yep, absolutely. I think the feedback too took place in an environment where you knew you were getting feedback. Right. So, you you know, we didn't just go up to people and say, hey, you could be <laughs> trying harder in the physical aspect, but. Right. You know, it was a time where it was set up and, and we were ready to receive that feedback. Awesome. Robin, do you want to tell us about the program that you did? My program was the Executive Leadership Development Program. It's a very unique program in the fact that it provides the participants um, with extensive exposure to the roles and the missions of the entire DOD. Therefore, it's all services. Um, it's a 10-month program. But that doesn't mean that you're a TDY for the entire 10 months. We would be TDY for approximately a week to up to 18 days, depending upon our deployments. Some of our deployments were OCONUS, and, um, but the majority of them were CONUS. Now I will say that with ELDP, it provides, very similar to Stephanie, that it provides the opportunity to work in teams, and we did a bunch of um, personal assessments and um, we gained our feedback and we did that every time we had a deployment. So by the time that we were done with our 10 months, like you were saying, you actually had the, those feedback sessions. We had those feedback sessions at every deployment. And when you're with 60 plus people and you're traveling the world with 60 plus people, you get to have these amazing relationships with them. It's just, 
it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And I will say that with ELDP, I will get into a little bit later some personal experiences, but one of the main takeaways that they pound into us at graduation is we can't give away all the secrets because it is such an exciting program. So I will give um, some of my, um, my personal favorites, but I won't give you all the dirty secrets on it, so. And part of the, the mystery is what part of the draw is as well. So exactly. That's good. Thanks, Robin. Uh, Casey, would you like to talk about some of the senior level programs that you participated in? Uh, sure. Uh, there's a couple of them that I've done uh, somewhat recently. Uh, the first one was the Civilian Leadership Course, Strat Level 1, which I believe now is called the Air Force Civilian Leadership Course. Uh, it was very good. It was one of the first ones I took as a, as a senior leader. It was a one-week course in a beautiful location on the country in Virginia. Um, <laughs> they fed you three solid meals a day. You stayed on campus. It was Sign it was, me up. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but the thing that was great about it was in the morning they would teach us different things. In the afternoon they would bring in SESs from the Pentagon, and they would give us their career perspective. They talk about their career, what their jobs are, some of the things they, they feel that the Air Force is facing. And then they would stick around and um, they would have dinner with us and you could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. I mean, we, some of the folks we had at the time was Dr. Four, who was AFMC A1. Um, we had Air Force A1. We had a, the Deputy Director of Air Force Strategic something or other. They were all fantastic speakers. Uh, it was very insightful. Uh, it was a great, great way to start into CDE at senior leader, senior leader uh, area. Uh, the other one I did was a little bit more robust. Uh, it's the Excellence in Government Fellowship Program. This one is a, a one-year program where you go TDY, primarily to D.C., about eight or nine times over that 12-month period. It's very competitive. Every year, only about eight Air Force people get selected. And when I was selected, I was the only contracting person out of about, I think, 350 people that get selected for the program because this goes across the entire government. So you have Department of Defense, you have Department of Energy, you have... IRS, you have everybody, anybody in the government can apply. So it's, it's a very large group. It was, it was a lot of fun. The training is all molded around the executive core qualifications, the ECQs for an SES. So they teach you leading change, building coalitions, all those. And, and they did a lot of outreach projects. We got to go out to some very poor, economically uh, distressed areas in Baltimore. and got to do some volunteering and seeing how some of the nonprofit organizations are turning around the local community. Uh, it was a great experience. The thing that was great about it was you got to meet people from all over, all over the United States. So it wasn't just Air Force contracting, it wasn't just Air Force. So I made so many friends that uh, it's, it's amazing. And we, a lot of us still stick together. We're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we still communicate, especially since I was the one contracting guy. Anytime somebody in Department of Energy has a contracting question, they'll shoot me an email and ask me their, my thoughts on it. So it was a great project or a great program. And you did have to do one project that you had to work together as a team. Um, and it had, you had to have an executive champion for your project. Mine was Miss Bullock here at AFMC PK. And that was our graduation requirement. So it was, it was a great experience. It was a long program, but it was a lot of fun. Awesome. And Susan, what about you? So Casey stole my thunder on um, the civilian oh, leadership <laughs> challenge, but he, um, so I'll piggyback on what he said as far as the um, SESs. Um, one of the SES that was in our group was Mr. Marion. Um, so like he said, they offered the Q&A, was able to sit down with us at um, dinner and things like that. So that was very good. One thing you did mention was the 360 assessment. It was based on that. So they allowed coaches to actually talk to us about our 360 assessment, which is no different from what we normally experience. So you normally get your feedback 
and you can't really interpret what is you know what are these people saying about me what do they think about me my peers my subordinates and things like that so I think that was helpful we had an actual one hour one-on-one -on -one session with each each person had their own career coach so that was beneficial the other um, course I took was the leading effectively through change and that was in Potomac Maryland that was also a week course um, we did a lot of group exercises you have homework prior to the course and then we talked about different challenges that we were experiencing and so what they did was they picked the mo most interesting or the most challenging um, situations and it was four groups so we paired with different people and try to help solve their problems and as you mentioned Casey the bonding of it was just great because I've met friends that I still keep in touch with um, you dealt with people from different functions because you were always in our little bubble of contracting so it kind of helped to to interact with other functions so I thought that was Good, a good thing too. Well, and the theme that I think each of you have touched on, and you just mentioned it too, going from whether it's the basic level to the senior level, is you are interacting with people and experiences that you're not normally in every day. And so I think that's a huge takeaway from all these programs, whether it's, you know, you're normally working with civilians and you were hanging out with military folks and going through what they go through, or um, people from different agencies, people from different functionals, and people from outside the government. So it kind of gives you overall different perspective and helps you figure out where you fit in the bigger picture and gives you that you know, broader view. If I can add something to that, one of the main differences that I noticed um, with being chosen for a CDE program versus the other mandatory trainings or DAU classes or things like that is that everybody wanted to be there Everybody wanted to participate, and it wasn't a whole bunch of alphas in the room. I'm sure that we were most, but everybody kind of found their own role, but you didn't have those people that were just, didn't want to be there and didn't want to get up and didn't want to do PT and didn't want to do this. Like everybody was gung-ho for all 10 months, and um, that was really a breath of fresh air for me. That's awesome. So now let's talk about the application process, and it has changed slightly from when some of you went through the process. Um, it's now using my vector and folks need to make sure that if they want to apply for the CDE or leadership programs, they need to go to my vector um, and we'll include the link to that in the show notes on the Air Force portal. But make sure you guys go on there and make sure your career and experience stuff is up to date. Take a look ahead of time if you can. But I'll start with Susan. Can you speak to what applicants should be prepared for when applying for a CDE or leadership course? Uh, lessons you've learned after applying and being a supervisor who may need to review or endorse a CDE or leadership package? I say one of the first thing is to be prepared, especially with the new way the process is. Mm -hmm. So as in my vector, if you, even if you're not going to apply this year, it's best to try to put your resume, get all that updated in my vector. Right. So when something comes out in the future, you're prepared, that part of it, you already have, you've, you've been able to review your resume and make sure things are, you know, correct in there. Have your strong goals set. So on the Air Force form that you have to submit with the package, they're gonna ask you about your goals and you're gonna have to have endorsement statements and things like that. So I think the strong endorsement statements and your goals, make sure they match up to what the course is asking you for. You have to choose your strong second and third choices because if you're not, if they don't select you for the first one, they want to know what are your other interests. Can this second or third choice fit you instead of sending your application back? So have strong second or third choices. And then the most important thing is applying for courses that fit your, um, your goals 
Um, don't just apply for any and everything because there are a lot of choices and some people are just like just picking um, courses to choose from. But you want to make sure they match with what you're looking for for your um, leadership goals. And so to do that, would you suggest people sit down with their supervisors and maybe get some input and say, okay, does this look like the path that I'm, yes. that I'm working towards? Yes, and definitely. Definitely sit with your um, supervisor, your mentor, whoever that may be. Um, someone who's taken the course before, you can reach out to them to find out, okay, this is what they do within this course. Is this going to help me in the long term? And I really like that suggestion too because they can also give you some insight into what they put on their application. Yes. Um, so that way you can see what does a strong statement look like. Mm -hmm. Well, if they were chosen, they must have had some strong statements. So they can give you some examples of what that might be. Yes. And when I was in FMC up here a couple years back, we did a webinar and I had some of those examples of some statements that actually went through the process and were selected. So you're looking for those strong words and make sure they tie back to your goal and where you are in your career. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, don't give up. If you don't get in the first time, keep applying. If it's something you really want to do, don't say, well, they're never going to pick me. Keep trying and eventually you'll, you'll get picked. Because they're looking for, there's a lot of things that they look for and I have some reasons why they don't select people right. and I can share those as well. Right. And some of the programs are more competitive than the other ones, yes. you know? So it's like if you're, if you're going for a really competitive program, you may have to apply for yeah. several years yeah. before you get picked. Yeah, and they actually look at your resume, so they're just not choosing, oh, this person didn't get selected, we're going to choose them. They're actually looking for, have they had this breadth of experience for this particular program? It may be too advanced for them. So just make sure it matches up to where you are in your career. Anybody else want to share any tidbits on that applying? So I think another really important part um, for new applicants is to know that they should be taking a stab at their supervisor block of endorsing them and this is an opportunity for you to just to brag about yourself know that they will change it and um, but give them a starting point that will help i think the process go a little bit more smoothly and the only other thing that i would add to help or to add to susan's is talk with your family and also really research the program because for example with eldp because mine was a 10-month program and i was deployed a lot um, I had to have my husband, uh, I've got twins, and you know he had to talk to his work to make sure that TDYs and things like that. So that was all laying flat before I even applied. So if I got picked, we knew that I, I, was, I was in, you know? I think that's really, really important for, for people to know. Definitely, good point. And I'll, I'll just add too, um, the system is not over user friendly. So get in early, as has already been said, start early, start working on it. I'll also ask what Robin said. In addition to your supervisor's endorsement, if it is a boarded program or even a non-boarded, depending upon the route it goes, you or your supervisor will be required to write an endorsement statement for the endorser as well. So start drafting that as well too, because it will come back. And let me give you a couple more hints. Um, I'm a sub-DT developmental team member and I'm, Fortunately, I will be reviewing a lot of these packages this year. And when we went down in December, uh, we did some mock reviews to see things we we're looking for. So you need to make sure your resume includes everything you're doing to include, if you have a warrant, what level it is, PME, have you finished your ACSC or SOS or Air War College, any other CDE classes you've taken, make sure that's on your resume, APDP certifications, and when you're talking about your experiences, make sure you're clear what you're doing. Because as a sub-DT member, we, as Susan already mentioned, you know, we look at them and we have to grade them. 
And if the information's not on the resume, we can't give you credit for it. Even though if I knew, Amber, if I knew you were applying and you didn't put, oh, you have a warrant, I knew you had a warrant, but it's not on there, I can't give you credit for it. So it's very important, and we talk about competition. Uh, the leading with impact last year, I might have the numbers wrong, we had 102 applicants in Air Force contracting and only 11 or 12 got selected. And that selection is all based on how well your resume comes across and how we can find the points for it. So take your time and look over your resume, make sure it's as clean and crisp as possible. I know it's not the most user-friendly, speaking from experience, but uh, it, it's very important if you want to get selected. Um, strong endorser is another one. And uh, let's see, is there anything else off the top of my head? Um, no, I think that's about it. I mean, those are the big things. Just make sure that resume is as robust and clean as possible so when I get to take a look at it, I can find all the points for you. Casey, as a contracting leader and supervisor, you're a huge advocate for your employees to do professional development. Can you speak to why acquisition professionals should participate in CDE and leadership courses? So this is a good one. Um, you know, as acquisition professionals, more specifically contracting, we do a fantastic job training our folks. We are the technical experts in contracting across DOD and across the government. There's, there's no doubt about it. So what I would say, though, is as we stand right now, we do a great job of training, but we also have the level of effort one going on where we're revamping a lot of the training um, and kind of stretching out, giving more courses. But there's times in your career as of right now where you've done your APDP for your grade and your PME for your grade. By going out and getting a CDE class or a leadership class, it just hones your skills and makes you a better leader. Because as you know, in acquisition, you can't do anything alone. Uh, contracting cannot do a single contract by itself without help from program management logistics. And this leadership classes and the CDE will help you learn how to work with others, how to collaborate better, how to be more better of a team member, being able to pull in the strengths and the weaknesses of everybody. So because if, if everybody doesn't do their part, the, the, the team fails. These courses will help you start out at an early age, early age, early in your career. Uh, and work through your middle career and as you get to a senior leader the classes just continue to develop and they continue to develop you so you can be successful in your career so for me that's the best thing i mean we like i said we do the technical stuff we're great with technical but it's the soft skills and the leadership that helps round you out as a leader and helps you set you up for success as a senior leader in the future does anybody else want to add anything to that yeah i, I agree with casey um as far as the networking, I think that I'm an introvert, so it kind of forced you to do group projects and mm -hmm. things like that. Learning from, about the other functions was key for me, and just developing your leadership skills as a whole. It helped me to be a better leader. Mm -hmm. um, I was coming in as a, I had just got my 14, so it was just kind of at the right time for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking for other senior leaders and sharing their experiences and things like that, so that was key for me. Do any of you have any insights for listeners on selecting the appropriate program or programs for yourself? So when you guys were going through, what steps did you go through to figure out which ones will work best for you? Or you have employees, what steps do you try to take them through to figure out what programs are best suited for them? For me, the SOS or uh, Squadron Officer School was recommended. Basically, I had listened to other people's experiences and thought, well, that might be cool because again, SOS takes in like the classroom as well as the physical. So um, if you are choosing or thinking about choosing SOS, you have to make sure that you're considering the physical aspects because you're in the classroom all day and then you train together in the evening. Um, and overall at the end, do a, a project where it's almost a, a full 10K. Wow. 
for me, I'll add to that is that I also was, it was recommended to me in, by one of my supervisors after hearing my story. So I tried to get into the Air Force and I started recruiting sessions when I was in like the sixth grade. It was like my number one dream. So after graduation, I was medically disqualified and I was never able to um, be the electrician that I really wanted to be. And so come full circle, came to Wright State, got my master's, uh, met my husband, found this contracting gig. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can help support and um, be a civil servant. Therefore, giving back to my country in the only way that I now know how, because it was the one thing that I wanted to do. So when I found out about this program for ELDP, it is like the closest thing that a civilian can do that I know of, maybe there's more, but that a civilian can actually go through to understand what our warfighters go through. For me, some of the examples were, you know, we got to shoot machine guns. I learned I was a sharpshooter because I was the only one that could hit a target 600 yards away. We got to sleep in barracks, we ate MREs, we did the PT, we, do you know what I mean? And then we also got the chance to really sit and have those conversations with those warfighters. So for me, after hearing my story, you know, my supervisor was like, you know what, this might get you closer to your goal. And when I finally got in, it was an absolute amazing experience. So Robin, what was one of your favorite memories of your participation in the executive leadership and development program or the leadership course that you were part of? Okay, so I so I just mentioned shooting. We we did get to do a lot of a lot of shooting and um, however, I will say that I mean there are, there are so many and I would love to if anyone hears this podcast and wants to hear more about it. Um, I, again, I can't give away all the secrets, but if you have any burning questions, please feel free to reach out to me. But one of the things that I was able to do is when we were down in Texas, I was able to crew chief a UH-60 helicopter. So um, we went out and um, did a flight and came back. And that was also the same deployment that we got to shoot uh, 50 cals. And I think it was an M240 machine gun. And those were the longest targets that we got to shoot um, while we were out there. But so that was probably the highlight. Getting back to the actual program, my other highlight, I know you said I could only have one, but I'm gonna take two, is we also had a capstone project at the end. Um, So we're broken up into teams. For ELDP, like I mentioned before, there were 60 some people, they broke us up into eight teams. And um, throughout the entire process, you choose something that the DOD or your mentor, who was Ms. Watron here at AFL-CMC, found as a challenge and, and something for us to work on. So my other highlight was to be that team lead and to help corral SESs, as well as our team, who also was located all around the United States, um, and have our final outbrief while working, you know, across VTCs and telecoms and printing and all this other stuff. So um, I will say that, that that's also one of my favorite experiences. Definitely. Well, and my husband Vince participated in the ELDP program uh, the year right before you, and I will say that he still keeps in touch with oh, yeah. the people that he was he was in the program with. We still hang out with them, and yeah. just having that network of people that are in totally different functions, yeah. um, not even in the Air Force, outside of the Air Force, um, has been huge. It's a great networking way. opportunity for sure, and great friendships, just like both Casey and um, Susan has said. So Stephanie, um, same question to you. What was your favorite memory or one of your favorite memories from doing SOS? 
So I guess there's so many memories, um, and it, it was seven weeks, but it, it, felt, it felt like a long time, again, because you are in Montgomery, Alabama. You're there. You're cut off from your family, you know, as far as uh, geographically separated. I guess, I guess for me, the biggest memory would be the physical aspects of it and how I felt that I pushed myself and um, some of the accomplishments that I had. Uh, for example, um, the final 5K. Like we had, we had almost ran a 5K every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and the final one, somehow, I don't know how, but two minutes got shaved off my time. I don't know if it's just because, you know, I knew that they were counting on me. Yeah. Um, but that was a, a, a personal accomplishment. Um, but one of the, the funniest stories comes from uh, Project X, which is they break us down into smaller groups and then they give us a, a setting and they make us do like critical thinking and there's a team lead and they kind of judge you on how well you're leading the project. So this particular one, there was a wall, there was a long two by four and there was a piece of rope and it was five of us and we're timed and they're like, you need to get across the wall. And so when you first look at it, you're like, well, there's no way we can get across the wall. And then all of a sudden people start brainstorming and ideas are coming out and one person's like, let's put the two by four up against the wall, let's run up the two by four and then we'll help each other over the wall, we'll use the rope to climb down. <laughs> and uh, the first two guys run up the two by four and they're at the top of the wall and they're like, come up, come up. I'm like, well, there's no way I can do that. <laughs> like, sorry guys, but I can't do that. And um, I tried, I was unsuccessful. And um, one of my teammates laid down on the two by four and he was like yelling at me, he's like, climb up me, climb up me. And I'm like, I, are you sure? <laughs> so my, one of my favorite memories is me actually climbing up him and then the two guys at the top like helping me over the wall and um, yeah, and successfully completing that mission when at the beginning you thought, there's no way. No way. And then awesome. you do it, yeah. We need to be doing this in our offices, climbing on top of each other to get over barriers. <laughs> That is a good thing. We did a bunch of exercises like games and stuff, and I felt like a kid again, just kind of some of the stuff, you know, the show Minute to Win It or something like that, and we're trying to come up, like you have your engineers and you have your, you know, different perspectives, and so working as a group, we were able to solve things that you probably wouldn't be able to do on your own. Right. So I, I really did like that. We got up, we didn't sit there and look, look at PowerPoint and stuff right. like that, so they forced you to kind of get in groups and do things. So that was one of my favorite moments, and then the second, probably, really the first was the food. So I probably gained some weight <laughs> going down there because I mean you're there, you don't have you, you don't have a car or anything right, to go out. Right. So everything you're standing on the campus where the um classes are, so you go in, go eat, just like buffet settings. So that was mm -hmm. really good and I really enjoyed that. So they keep you well fed. In, yes. in Susan's program, the ELDP got E M R E's, but no. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, I should have had. I should have been doing the physical stuff, but yeah, I just sat and ate and you know went to class. <laughs> um, I really don't have much to add. I mean, everything they've said is spot on. Uh, the networking, the friendships you build. Uh, there's one of the guys that I went to EIG with. He's retired Army. I'm retired Air Force. Um, we just bonded from day one. He's my my brother from another mother. And, him and I went to two different football games together, just hanging out after the class. So, yeah, it's the network you build, the friendships you build. It's you, you can't you can't beat it. So I would say from from hearing from all of you, you guys would probably all give a thumbs up and and, uh, and encourage people to participate or look for next year. You know, putting their application and look for a program that works for them uh, because they can get a lot out of it personally and professionally. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for for participating today. Thank you. The Contracting Experience Podcast 
hit its one-year birthday in October 2019. If you have enjoyed listening, I ask you to share the podcast with your friends and coworkers and leave us a review on iTunes. Sharing the podcast is the best way to help others connect with the world around them. Thank you for listening. Thank you.